And welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining me on the line is Robert Larson. He comes to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hey, Heather. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. So in the city of Redlands, high school cheerleaders took a group photo that has them landed in hot water. I think I've seen the picture. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, can you tell us more about it? Yeah, I have a little bit of kind of mixed feelings about it, too. I mean, I obviously feel that high school cheerleaders should not be uh, dressing in a way that's um, overtly racist or, or, you know, plays into racial stereotypes. But I'm, I'm not sure this really does that. And, and I'm, it kind of leans toward the school maybe being a little bit overly uh, politically correct. But, you know, because some people had problems with these photos were saying they were racially insensitive. So what the girls were wearing is that they were wearing from uh, what I'm reading here from the Press Enterprise is uh, they're saying plaid shirts, white tank tops, white tube socks and cut off pants, baggy shorts or tan pants. Uh, fashion, uh, and they were flashing gang signs. Some of the girls were wearing bandanas in their hair and baseball caps, and some were stuffing uh, um, shirts or whatever inside their shirt to make it look like they were pregnant. Another appears to be pointing a fake gun at someone. So, I, I and I'm hearing all of those things that they were wearing and th thinking to myself, well, I don't know that that's necessarily racially insensitive I, I don't because when i it sounds like gang attire and then there are gang there's gang attire that some gangs are are black some are hispanic some are uh asian i mean there are even uh white gangs but they tend to dress a little differently but um yeah i mean it just seems like well it, i've just some problems with people saying it's racially insensitive because i'm not sure that it was and again i'd have to see the photo but it's it's more, it's definitely like, oh, sort of promoting a, a kind of gang look, which is like, okay, I mean, you should be able to sort of express yourself. But then I can kind of see the school saying, we don't want, you know, sort of gang thug lifestyle being glamorized or promoted. But, you know, is this enough to take the cheer squad and put them on hiatus as they've done? Uh, I don't know about that. I think maybe they should have been taken into the office and given a talking to and said, okay, this is not what we want to be promoting as a high school and uh, just don't let it happen again. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's an overreaction. Kind of feel that it maybe is. <laughs> well, the mascot you were telling me about from this last weekend's Brewers-Dodgers game sounded way, way worse as far as playing in the stereo ra or racial stereotypes. Yeah, I saw something. I was just, well, actually just a little bit before we... Um, got together here to do this, uh, I was watching a little bit of Dodgers Brewers game on TV and, and I didn't catch the whole, um, uh, context of it, but at one point a break between innings, uh, there had these four little mascots out on the field. And, and I'm sure if it was some kind of special day of promoting different ethnic groups, but the way they were promoting them, it seemed kind of stereotypical and that there was, um, uh, one character, one little mascot dressed in what looked like a, maybe a burrito or something, but definitely a sombrero on top, <laughs> which we know is a stereotype. Uh, there was another kid mascot that was dressed in that kind of looked like the German stereotype with the little shorts with the 
suspenders and the hat. Lederhosen. Yeah, yeah. So, and then there was one that looked like kind of like some Italian stereotype with one of those kind of chef hats, like a chef boyardee or something. (laughs) So, I don't know. It it seemed kind of bad, but I I don't know the context. I didn't hear anybody getting worked out. I don't know if it's a regular thing they do. I I do know that um, the, the brewers didn't have on their uniforms on the front. It didn't say brewers. It said cerveceros, which I assume is how you say brewer in Spanish. Cerveza being beer, and when you had the arrow at the end of the word, it usually means somebody who does or makes. So I I think that's brewer. So I don't know. It seemed like they were kind of trying to promote some kind of pride among Spanish-speaking people. But I don't know if the little mascot was the right thing. But (laughs) we'll have to do a little research on this. It just seemed a little little funny. But, yeah, that seemed worse than what we're talking about here at at, um, the high school in Redland, where it seems more that it wasn't – particularly racial stereotypes but gang stereotypes and which is you know that's not racism but it's again it's like why you know you probably really don't want kids taking a gang look and go oh this is like cool or you know this is something i aspire to or i don't know particularly even making fun of it yeah definitely so so not something to make a big deal out of but i can see the high school at least saying something yeah and in rancho and cucamonga a former nfl player ed uh, Floyd Eddings Jr. He w- was coaching uh, football and girls basketball. His two stepdaughters said he had inappropriate relations with them. Um, before his trial started, his own lawyer was urging him to plea out, but he was found later found innocent. I always find that a really disturbing trend when your own lawyer wants to pull the cards on you. Yeah, well, I think sometimes lawyers do that because they think it might be a hard case to win in court and even though it might be that you're innocent there you still could get convicted and are thinking well you know let's take the the plea bargain and take the 5 years instead of a possible life sentence uh, uh, even though you're innocent i mean and i i know lawyers do that all the time but um yeah it's a little troubling because you're thinking what I, because somebody trumped up charges against me and we got an overzealous prosecutor's office i've got to like go to prison for a while um you know it it, it does yeah it's, it's troubling but uh his lawyer i guess had originally told him that and this the the supposed um assaults against these girls took place uh, between 1999 and 2004 uh when he was a, a basketball coach there and he had played uh professional football with the new york giants from 82 to 83 so been out of that, and um, so he Eddings from the very beginning maintained his innocence and said this is this never happened. And the lawyer, whether he believed him or not, thought they would have a tough time winning the case, and so wanted him to plead out. But Eddings refused and said, "I know I'm innocent. I didn't do any of these things, and I want to prove my innocence in court." So the lawyer went along with that, and actually um, turned out well. For, for Eddings, and uh, to me, uh, this is kind of this is the system working because uh, let's assume that even that he was guilty, he did commit these crimes. They they didn't have enough evidence. I mean, it was just basically the words of the two girls who may or may not have had a reason to try to get him. Um, so 
without corroborating evidence of any sort, you shouldn't be convicting someone because let's, like I said, let's assume for a minute that maybe he was guilty. There could be several other people come along in a similar, similar situation who are not guilty. And you, you, you have to err on the side of, of not imprisoning people who could be innocent. And that, that's how our system should work. So it's better to let one guilty, um, you know, or it's better to let a hundred guilty people go than to have one innocent person be sent to prison for something they didn't do. Yeah. You, you know, so th this, that's how I feel about it. They didn't have a good case. It, you know, it, it, when you can't just on somebody's hearsay or somebody's just accusation with no corroborating evidence, you can't convict somebody on that. Yeah. Because there, if you could, then you could have just anybody that had a vendetta against someone just make something up and then the person would go to prison. Yeah, definitely. Um, so a trailer park for older people in Hemet is a scene of for a double homicide, which has residents feeling rightfully scared. Any tweaker camps nearby this trailer park? Well, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Hemet kind of has a little bit of that edge. Um, but yeah, there are like the, in Hemet, there are a lot of those kind of down and out sort of tweaker types, but there's also a lot of older retired people. So, which makes for a kind of weird mix. And, uh, some of these older, often retired people live in communities that are just mostly older, mostly retired people. And that's what this trailer park was. It was a minimum age of 45 years old to live there. So no kids. And, but although 45 is not old, that's middle-aged. And from what we've seen over the years, a lot of people in their 40s and even in 50s are, are, are themselves tweakers. So we don't know if maybe something like that could have been going on. Somebody who was maybe the two victims, people that were living there were involved in, in drugs somehow and got involved with shady characters. I think that this is completely speculation. We don't know yeah. that. Anyway, um, it's, it's just weird that this quiet little sort of semi-retired uh, community has these two murders and um, they don't so far the authorities aren't forthcoming with any sort of motive for it and uh, but they do they have been scouring the area the adjacent areas and there's an area that they had cordoned off and they had some bloodhounds out there and they were think they had either a suspect or uh, evidence related to the suspect somewhere in the vicinity so hopefully they'll find who did this and we can get to the bottom of it and um, feel uh, you know, it's a tragedy. It is a tragedy. Um, we do cover a lot of dumb crime here on this segment of the show, but this one Riverside uh, crime is actually a really good one. Uh, Riverside police are looking for a couple that stole 500 gallons of gasoline from a gasoline station. The idea is that somebody put a trailer over one of those little manholes that they dumped the gas into, and then instead of dumping it in, they sucked it out. <laughs> I just have a really hard time picturing this because usually those are those manholes. They're kind of in the middle of the station where they're not under the pumps exactly. So they're kind of out in the middle, exposed, not in the, you know, for the little uh, covered areas where you actually pump your gas. So this is a really clever one. Yeah, it is. Uh, um, it remains to be seen if they get caught or if they never get caught, you're going to have to go, yeah, that was that was clever. That was uh, they pulled that off. And it almost it's almost like one of these things you see in these movies that when you're watching the movie, you're like, oh, come on. They'd never get away with that. And um, but <laughs> they do sometimes. But, yeah, I think if the the 
the manhole cover was sort of like a little bit off to the side. The person could have like parked there and, and, and pulled the truck up and then had the trailer over the, the cover in maybe it could have been light late at night where there's just the one person working in the booth, which as you know, when you've tried to buy gasoline late at night, sometimes it's hard to even get that person's attention. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, it could be that it could be that they had like a decoy where the one person was setting it all up. And then the other person goes into the gas station, mini Mart and kind of browsing around or talking up the, uh, cashier yeah it could have been something like that but anyway yeah they pulled the trailer like right over the the cover and apparently had a false floor on the trailer which they opened up and then had a pump there and sent a a tube down into the hole and and siphoned out 500 gallons which today's price is almost two thousand bucks and um so it's a pretty pretty good haul and that they they got away Obviously, they somehow know the gasoline's missing now, but they, the person actually was able to leave the, ga- the gas station without being caught. And, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> you see, like I said, you see so many of these really dumb crimes, and this one, wow, that took a little bit of thought, and it's actually kind of clever, and they may actually get away with it. Any word if the trailer doubles for ice fishing? <laughs> well you know there's no ice fishing around here but yeah maybe if they had like minnesota plates um the uh the one thing that was kind of funny that was a mark on the trailer and this is again reported in the press enterprise this says a witness told officials the thieves uh, were a white man and a white woman and that the trailer had an alien sticker on it <laughs> An alien? Is that the, like the skateboard manufacturer? Or? I don't know. I guess just that little alien head. I think that oh, is. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but, you know, sometimes people have little alien stickers just because they're interested in UFOs or whatever. But it just was, it was kind of funny. But because also if you think about the the lore of alien UFO abductions and how that, oh, they hover over houses and they sent down the beam and they you know abduct somebody so it was like they were abducting the gasoline out of the hole (laughs) that is funny um we were trying to figure out if it was grand theft or not and so i looked it up real fast before we did the segment and we found that the definition of grand theft is when the property exceeds 950 dollars in california then we also found this caveat where grand theft is also considered uh more than 250 dollars in crops and here's the weird one, or marine life forms that are stolen. And I'm thinking it's something to do with PETA and SeaWorld, but, you know, you never know. Yeah, they put that caveat in there or that qualifier to sort of uh, be able to use it against these animal uh, rights activists. But, <laughs> so, but I, you know, the fact that it qualifies for, for grand theft, I think, therefore, makes it a, a felony. And uh, so, I don't know, it seems kind of like... Is that worth committing a felony crime for two thousand bucks? Yeah, yeah. The other weird thing is, it seems like it took a lot more effort to pull off the crime than the the value of what they got. It it just that's just a little odd. Yeah. Then again, maybe their plan is to you know before people are too caught on to the scheme that they they're going to go around and do several gas stations like that. So Bonnie and Clyde of gas stations. Yeah. It did like 10 gas stations. Okay. Now we're talking some money. Well, I like how people notice their bumper sticker, but the license plate, I mean, yeah, that anyways, 
Yeah, well, maybe the license, the alien sticker was really big. Oh, that's true. You know, and I can't read license plates from any distance if I don't have my glasses on. Yeah, and then you wouldn't notice a license plate if something was, you didn't think something suspicious was going on. So it looks like they pull off a pretty thought-out crime, which is rare for the Linden Empire. Yeah, so uh, we'll see if they get caught. Yeah, definitely. Robert Larson, he joins us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Thanks, as always, for being on the show this morning. Oh, it's always my pleasure. And, of course, this is the Heather McCoy Show.